Welcome to The Morning Glory Project, Stories of Determination, Extra Blooms Edition. These Extra Blooms episodes are revisits of our past guest. My co-producer, Angela Washington, and I very often find ourselves sharing updates with each other. Oh gosh, did you see what that guest was up to? Did you see what they did? Did you see that? Did you see that? And we figured that if we get excited seeing what new things they're accomplishing, that you might too. So these Extra Blooms editions are that, a little extra where we revisit with a past guest to see what else has gone on since last we spoke. Maybe they've got a new passion project, a new idea, a new book, a new accomplishment, and we like to share that. So feel free to go to themorningglorieproject.com to listen to any previously aired episode. And we love it if you write a comment, share it out, give us a review, and let others know. Of course, you can always subscribe to The Morning Glory Project across all of the podcasting platforms. That way you just never miss an episode. So welcome to the Morning Glory Project. I'm glad you're here today, and I know that you'll love hearing from our Extra Bloom guest. Today, I get the pleasure of revisiting with a past guest. And full disclosure here, this is not just a past guest, but also a dear and close personal friend and writing partner, Amy Peel. We visited with Amy back in April of 2020, not long after she began her maiden voyage into being a politician, a city council member in the small city of Nevada, California. And so we focused on that. But what we didn't focus on then was so much was Amy's writing career. Amy served for 35 years in the organ transplant field, starting as a nurse and gradually growing up into administration of one of the biggest organ transplant hospitals in the world, UC San Francisco. And when she retired from there, she turned her pen (laughs) from the budget to writing and her medical murder mystery cut debuted. Amy, when was that? When did cut come out? Uh, 2017, April, 2017. Okay, and then now the sequel to Cut is Match, and it just launched in the spring of 2021. So Amy has Cut and Match, and what I love about Amy's books is that she brings the expertise that she has in the medical and and specifically organ transplant world, which is a very hidden world to most of us, those of us who haven't been directly touched by it ourselves or for a loved one. And she brings that expertise, but to a murder mystery that had, that she calls a mystery with a mission and a side of humor. So Amy, welcome back to the Morning Glory Project. And I wanted to touch in with you about how it's going. Match is just barely out in the world. Tell me how it's going. Well, thanks first, Betsy, for having me. I always love being part of your podcast and I get inspired listening to all the stories. They're just, what a wonderful sound bite of inspiration. I just want to thank you and your team for all that you're doing to add a little positivity and and hope and inspiration for many of us who listen. So thank you for that. It's going well. I must admit it's weird launching a book during COVID. It came out April 2021. Well, well now you, you have a talent for this, C, because you became a city council person at the end of 2019 and then launched right into the into the COVID world as a council member. And then by golly, if you didn't the pandemic continued on into 2021 and you launch a book in the middle of it. So I'm, I'm really sorry that your two big adventures have been polluted by the, by this backdrop. 
Boy, yeah, talk about it. Uh, what's that uh, quote from Eleanor Roosevelt? You know, how can you tell the strength of a woman is like a tea bag until you put it in hot water? Well, yeah, I, I've been I've been in uh, some hot water in, in, a, in a pandemic way, and you just got to show up and keep doing what you're doing. And the baby was ready to be born. Match was ready to go, waiting for her debut. And I did a great launch. Virtu- Everything's been virtual. Um, which isn't all bad, and uh, at Book Passage, our wonderful local independent bookstore, and it actually got more people to come because I was with two other wonderful uh, She Writes Press authors, and so we had about 200 people participate virtually. Well, that's the adaptation that lots of, I mean, across industries, but but certainly that authors are having to make is that rather than those live events, which can be so fun uh, mm. to have people gather at a bookstore and celebrate and share cookies and wine and whatever else is going on, that it's being done over Zoom. Yep. And there's a, that's an adaptation that we're all having to make. And like you said, it wasn't all bad because you got to include some folks that might not otherwise have been able to attend, right? Right. Well, my nursing school friends from Chicago were on and new people I hadn't met were on. And, Mm. you know, the next day I got to go to Book Passage and they had this big stack of books. And I just thought they wanted me to sign them in case somebody bought them. But there were 30 books and people had ordered them from from the virtual event. I was so honored and excited and and you're right there's this it's like a pause a distance because in a room you can feel people's energy and see their eyes and have you could just tell they are there to help you launch it and on a screen not so much yeah you can't feel that the same way no and i've been doing a number of virtual events with a uh, academia transplant programs around the country so i just did university of michigan where i went in person in 2017 to introduce cut i went virtually uh and i've done ucsf and i'll be doing nyu and a variety of other virtual events but it it is quite a different thing you know even sitting here talking to you staring at my computer <laughs> i know you're on the other end i know but, uh and i know these other people were listening and, and enjoyed it but you don't get any like cues feedbacks you know that kind of physical piece you know, th- that's something that in my own book, because I've written a book about uh, writing, about public speaking for writers. It's called From Page to Stage for those listening. And one of the things that I talk about in there is what I call the 3D writing experience, how you make the writing experience sort of three-dimensional. And what I mean by that is, you know, you write your story, you're looking at your story, you read your story, you've imagined your story. But when you share it out with others, all of a sudden they bring their experience to it. And when, when you get to be in the room with them, you either read a piece of it or talk about it. People, ooh, or they ah, or they cry, or they laugh, or whatever. And all of a sudden it's a pop-up book. Like it has a dimension to it because other people mm. brought their experience to it. And that's what we're kind of missing in the virtual world to some degree, right? You you hit it on the head, Bets. You hit it on the head. But I've had two pretty fun, exciting Uh, things happen with match, which is this book is about kidney transplants, dialysis, uh, the opioid crisis and um, paired exchange, which was actually fun to write. And it hit the Amazon best selling list in April, which was surreal. Well, but that also wasn't an accident. You worked really hard to make that happen. 
Yes, I did. I did. There's it, a... It's not like it just fell from the sky like man. Right? <laughs> no, ma'am. I'm off. <laughs> I did. I did. And it happened. And it's like, wow, I can actually add best selling author to my, you know, my signature line. I still prefer, as I know you do, to direct any, any listener to their local independent bookstore. And I'm actually doing the University of Iowa, which, you know, is kind of the mecca of the writing world, their academia. And they said, well, where should we order your book? I said, please go to your independent bookstore. They could use your support. But another fun thing happened, and I think this is just the cool stuff that you could never plan, is that I got a note. I got in connection with an old colleague friend many moons ago, and she lives in L.A. now. And she asked if I would be willing to auction off one of my minor characters for book three, because she is a survivor of three bone marrow transplants, Diane. And uh, I absolutely said yes. So you auctioned off, they get to name them, right? They get to name the a minor character, Fine. one minor character. Well, I got an email a couple weeks ago that it brought in $2,000 to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Foundation. Well, there's your, you know, your mission, right? Is you're bringing consciousness and awareness to medical health transplant specifically, but but broader than that, you're 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 serving your mission with this book. That's exciting. Yeah, and talk about an extra bloom, Betsy. Yeah. I mean that that wasn't even on my radar screen. You know, Amy, when you say that, here's what I think. You know, sometimes I think that the miracles that happened along the way in our lives are not because we plan them, but because we just kept putting one foot in front of the other and doing the next best thing, the next right thing with good intention and inclusion and kindness and all those. And then miracles happen like mm -hmm. that. Who'd have, mm -hmm. who'd have thought that you'd raise two grand for folks with leukemia from people that get to name a book, name a character in your third book. That's too cool. I was, it's, I'm, I'm honored. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk to the person who won it and see what they're thinking. Cause I, I do have an array of characters, as you know, if you've read both of my books. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a few minor characters that might be fun. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. So that's kind of was an extra bloom. And then just getting feedback from people I don't know and haven't heard, heard of reading my book and enjoying it and thanking me. Um, and like you said, when we started, they, on the second book as well, feel like they got a, a little look behind the curtain of this world of transplantation. Well, isn't, isn't that part of why we read, you know, I read certainly for information and inspiration and to learn things, but I also, I'm really nosy and curious. <laughs> I want to peek into worlds that I don't know. I think that's why we want to read about you know, I mean, Shakespeare let us look into the lives of the royals and we just get to peek into worlds that we wouldn't otherwise travel to. So when I read Cut and Match, even though I've known you for many years and I've heard the stories of the transplant world, to, to kind of be in it and Match specifically, you mentioned that it's about kidney. So Cut was largely about a liver transplant. Match is about kidney transplant and specifically paired exchange. Can, can you tell our listeners what a paired exchange is and what that means? Yes. And I'm excited about it still. Go figure. And just for the record, the person who uh, initiated some of the concept and then made it available in the country, uh, Garrett um, Hill, 
uh, as he's inside, he had given me a review of the book because he was so grateful. His daughter needed a kidney. So he wanted to donate his kidney. It's called the living donor kidney transplant to, he wanted to give his kidney to his daughter. So they did all the work, the blood work wasn't a match. And his daughter was getting sick, sicker. And she had kidney failure. So he found out that he, there was another similar situation, for example, and I know it's 100% accurate, but there was, in fact, another same kind of issue with someone who wanted to donate an organ, a kidney, to their child. So what they did is it's like a crisscross. That person could donate their kidney to his daughter, and he could donate his kidney to their daughter for this example. Okay. It's not, the details aren't exactly hundred percent factual, but so this happened, he designed a computer algorithm and now uh, today, and this was back in 2007, 2008, if I have my math right, um, there've been up to probably even more 18 paired exchange kidneys, meaning maybe over in, uh, New York, they start the surgery, the paired exchange flip-flop goes, maybe there's a kidney shipped to Chicago and someone in the ORs donated their kidney to somebody who comes over to Kansas and Kansas. And so this paired exchange has allowed more people, one, to get off the wait list, which allows those who have not got this option to move up the wait list for a kidney. And they get a living donor kidney, uh, which is great because that's one of the healthiest kidneys you would want to get. So rather than waiting for somebody to have a tragic accident or something like that, you're in this. So it's it's not technically, I guess, I guess because I'm a word person, I'm thinking it this way. It's not in that case a paired exchange, but sort of a daisy chain of yeah. exchanges, right? Where there's a whole group, like you said, the 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 record you think is 18 exchanges happening in one daisy chain like that. And that's so that's 18 people that yes. got living kidneys. Kidney. And what's kind of cool about this story of paired exchange is that that the woman who replaced me, Carolyn Light, who's executive director now at UCSF, ended up donating a kidney to, because she didn't have a person, but she's a very healthy, wonderful, compassionate uh, being, human being. She donated her kidney to start a chain. It's called an altruistic donor. So there are people in the world, it's good to know, that just want to do it for the betterment of everybody. So she started a chain and that helped even more people get transplanted. She donated her kidney. So, so let me, let me do the math on this. So, so there's somebody out there that needs a kidney and no one in their loved one circle is a match for them. Mm -hmm. Carolyn donates her kidney to that person and gets that started. So someone in her family that couldn't donate to their own loved one makes their kidney available to somebody else and so on and so on and so on. You got it, Bet. You got it. And it's, it's, it, I was, it's just, I think it's very cool. It's the ultimate <laughs> generosity, isn't it? It is. Yeah. We had a nurse at UCSF. He, he donated a kidney and he was really healthy and he, he wanted to see if he could donate a lobe of his liver because you know, you can do living liver transplants as well. It's just inspiring and humbling. And, and anyway, the, the story of match, um, Garrett, uh, he wrote a couple things at the very beginning, just loved the story um, and supported it. And, and it's out in the world now and it's making my books, making a lot of friends and going places. 
I'm not. I'm, I'm doing a little fun contest called Match Around the, the World, meaning my book gets to go and travel places. Well, I can't or I won't right now. Uh, and so it's been to Honduras already. It's been to Mexico. Match has. Uh, making the way uh, around the states, the United States. Who knows where else it's going to show up? But people are sending me a picture of the book with the state. And then they went a little trinket because my husband does fused glass. So it's actually fun to see my book travel. And kind of the good news, Betsy, and I think you'll appreciate this, is you don't have to get on a plane, schlep a box of books, show up, which is all good. I mean, when we can do it, this it, it's trying to bring it's almost got its own uh, travel itinerary. Uh, and I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to pay for any plane tickets. And you don't and you don't have the TSA pat down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I always oh, say I bet I you miss that. A, a free massage is how I call it. I always get patted down. I just embrace it. And go, oh, I'm getting a free massage. Well, and so the full disclosure, the reason you get such a such a special massage is because of you. You've had knee replacements. So you set off the alarms, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they're usually never at my knees. They're always going for some other part of me, not for privates, <laughs> but they definitely <laughs> like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> Just got to let it go. So Amy, I want to tie this back together with also your work at town hall or at city hall. You and I had a lovely shared event on Sunday and I, I want to brag about you just for a little bit because I get to do that. Because, you know, it's my show, so I get to. Our town of Novato hosted its first Pride Rally, Pride event on Sunday in honor of Pride Month. And for the first time in our history, flew the rainbow flag right below the national and state flags on our city hall flagpole. And we got to go celebrate that. So I want to ask you, first of all, you were one of the folks, one of the folks that voted that in as a possibility. So thank you as a citizen of Novato. But also, I'd like to touch in with you because when I talked with you last, you had just really begun your work with with City Hall. And I want to talk to you about what that's been like, what the, it's been a year and a half now. What's it been like for you? What's kept you going and what's been hard and what's been successful? Well, it. It's a good question, Betsy. And thanks for celebrating Pride with me because it was it's just an honor. And we had such we had a wonderful young group of high school students who really muscled this and made it happen. I was just part of was one of them was my intern, Wesley Fink, who was off the charts. Amazing. And I'm grateful that we are showing up, listening to our youth and letting us let them lead us sometimes, which I think is part of our jobs as council people. Uh, here in Novato and everywhere, I would say. So it's been weird. It's been odd to have city council meetings on a screen because uh, I'm, as you know, a, human, a people person too. And I like to be able to give you a hug or look at you while you're talking and just, you know, physically be in the room because it just it's part of who, who I am, I think, as we are as a human race most of the time. There have been some hard times where I wasn't uh, in the majority of what people wanted. And I really had to look and check inside what it was that I could support. And so I was a, was a descending vote on setting up a big multi gas station here. Uh, but four people voted for it. So it did pass. Um, I was a deciding vote on the minimum wage. Some people didn't want us to vote for the minimum wage yet. They wanted these people to show up during COVID 
to work full time, but not pay them. So I had to step in uh, with my conscience and my gut. And we approved a $15 minimum wage um, ordinance here in Novato. With a one vote margin. Yes, I was the vote. And so those are some scary, but times where you, for me, I used to go inside and say, what do I believe is the right thing to do? And I call myself more a civil servant than a politician because I'm not creating a voting record so that you'll vote for me again. I am voting each particular topic issue on its merits, getting my homework done, showing up at council, and then listening to the public and hearing what people's concerns and issues are, and then putting that all together and assimilating it. Now, to your earlier point, it's all done on Zoom. So you're staring at everybody on the computer, listening, right? And then sometimes those meetings go really late. So it, it's been a challenge. I'm grateful. I'm not going to lie. I really wanted to be in the 4th of July parade and um, <laughs> not not two years in a row now. No, no, I can't be in the car waving at you on the sidelines, but maybe next year. <laughs> well, Amy, I want to I ask you, though, because... As you know, the, the subtitle for this podcast is Stories of Determination. So I know from being your friend and hearing that, some, you know, sometimes your votes have not been popular and you, you've, had to, you've had to learn to go to different restaurants and to different places because people kind of swarm you with their goal. But once we could go to restaurants again, I'm wondering what's been the hard part, both of of publishing, not just in COVID, but in general, what are, what gets you through the tough spots and what are the tough things for you? Well, part of it is I'm, I'm in a wonderful thought leadership Academy that has helped me a lot to meet with this group every Tuesday. So I have, a, I also have though they are very strong, powerful women from around the world actually. And that helps me my writing tribe, which, you know, Betsy, you are, and Lynn Joy uh, Myers and Christy Nelson are a part of knowing that we get together and connect and that you believe in my story and other others enjoy my story. So I get some evidence when my doubt gremlins and my forget it and who cares stuff happens. Uh, I get support. I um, commit no matter what to show up and keep, you know, I'm writing the third book and, and get some positive support. It's, it is hard. You're right. You're right. And it is sometimes not always all pretty and tied up in a bow, but then I think, well, what if I decide I can't do this and I'm not going to write, and I'm not going to publish. There's a part of me that's like, would be missing. There would be like this gap. And I got invited to be on two panels uh, for the International Mystery Writing Conference coming up in August. Uh, about, it's called BoucherCom in New Orleans. And that's a real honor because that's like the big show, right? So I still see some evidence that um, I'm part of a community that sometimes I'm not sure I am, mostly because when you're in your room by yourself, as you know, writing, there's not a lot of other people around unless I pick up the phone and call you and say, oh, what are we doing? What am I doing? And you're like helpful. It's a friendship. It's love that keep me going in belief and, um, you know, even on the bad days. Here's when I know when you've kind of reached the, I don't know if I can get through it. You ask the same question every time you ask, what was I thinking? 
In other words, why the hell did I start this process? This is hard. I don't like it. I, I don't, mommy, mommy, help me take it, make it stop. You know, yeah. that's where you go is when, when I hear you say, what was I thinking when I tied into this? And I think that lots of us get to that. What was I thinking? You know, whether we're starting a book or a project or a business or a passion project or elected office or whatever it might be, I bet, I bet a lot of people get to that. What was I thinking? spot. And what I've admired from you and what you answered in different words that I'm about to use is what you seem to do that gets you through. And what I admire in you is you build a community and a network better than anybody I know. You join organizations to to help you. You gather friends to support you. You join communities that will feed you and you get through. It's really kind of amazing and impressive. It's something that I've, I'm less of a joiner than you are. I'm a little, little more of an introvert to your extrovert, but I have observed what you do and have learned a great deal from it. Well, thanks, Betsy. And I have, I I do have a good group of people who love and support me and help me, you know, through those speed bumps or gaps where my self-doubt can really take over. And you know, just give the voice. If the gremlin needs to say whatever they need to say, you can't, you won't, you do, then have at it. And then I go about my business because, you know, I, I as probably you in your writing area, I have quotes and pictures of people I love like you and our Bellas who are a writing tribe. And just the, I, I surround myself too with physical evidence when my, de- you know, on my desk or on my walls, that's comforting. That's, that brings me, a moment of pause and gratitude and that I get that, that I get to do this, that I'm able to do this being a nurse from the world of healthcare. Not everybody does and not everybody's here. People are leaving the planet for a variety of reasons. And so I feel like I, I try to tap into my gratitude too. Well, you, you always change have to, to get to, I have to do something too. I get to do something yeah. And that's a big part of who you are and how you see the world. So, Amy, your first book, Cut, and its sequel, Match, are available in the world. Folks can find them on that big, ugly uh, bookseller on the on the web, or they can go to their beautiful, homey, loving indie bookstores or order it from those indie bookstores. And they can certainly order it from Book Passage in Corta Madera or, Corta, or Copperfield's books in San Rafael and Novato, any of those places, plus their own independent bookstores. Right. And on my website at amyspeel.com, I have a button that's called Indie Bound. And when anyone presses it, you just put in your zip code and that finds you your closest bookstore, independent bookstore. Cool. So, so that's a pretty easy go right there if you wouldn't know or had, you know, weren't sure it's still open because they will so embrace and love you um, oh, for coming great. in. Well, so let me clarify. It's Amy, A-M-Y-S, as in Sam, and then Peel, P-E-E-L-E, for those listening in their cars. You can go to amyspeel.com, go to the Indie Bound button and buy one or both. And, you know, they make a nice set to give as a gift, too. So I'm going to promote <laughs> your book, even though you're not doing it. And I want to thank you. You you always inspire me, and you are part of what keeps me going and what gets me past that, what was I thinking 
moment. And I, of course, love you and appreciate you. And thanks so much for revisiting and giving us a little bit more of an extra bloom here on the Morning Glory Project. Thanks for having me, Betsy. Keep doing these blooms and these podcasts. They're just so wonderful. Thank you. When I got to thinking about my conversation with Amy, my extra blooms conversation, I thought of something that's not an apology. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for dipping into relationships with close friends to populate the Morning Glory Project. Several of the folks that I've had on as guests have been dear ones to me. Others have become dear ones to me that I didn't know before. And it can feel a little bit like nepotism to tap into your friend group, but truthfully, when I look at the population of people that I choose as my closest friends, my closest companions, my writing partners, they're deeply admirable people. And so without apology, I feature them. And I invite you, as you're looking for inspiration, to look among the people you hold most dear. What is their story? What are their stories of determination? Have you ever asked them how they did it? How they accomplished what they accomplished? How they survived what they survived? How they endured what they endured? That's my extra, extra bloom for today. Look close for inspiration. Sometimes we look on the horizon when really what we need is right in our own backyard, (laughs) as Dorothy Gale learned. Thanks so much for listening to the Morning Glory Project, this Extra Blooms edition. I hope that wherever you are, you are finding your way to bloom.